Hi everyone, this is Graham Cowan and welcome to the Caring CEO podcast brought to you by WeCare365. We created this podcast because we believe that every leader's number one priority is to build a more caring and resilient team who enjoys growing together. It is my job to interview CEOs and other senior leaders who value building both a culture of care and a culture of high performance. I'm very keen to understand how they do this, and we hope there will be lots of insights for anyone who wants to build a high-performing team. Today, our guest is Simone Allen. Now, she's a long-term friend and a former colleague from when we worked together at Morgan & Banks, which is now known as Hudson over 20 years ago. Simone's authenticity shines through as she openly discusses the triumphs and challenges of her successful career. Growing up in New South Wales had a profound effect on how she lives a life. There were also very difficult moments from her childhood that resurfaced later. Simone went on to establish her own company, Mondo Search, which became one of the top 40 search firms globally. Recognising the value of mentoring, she founded also Mondo Mentoring after personally experiencing its benefits. At the age of 43, Simone faced a career crisis that left her burnt out and overwhelmed. Taking a step back, she engaged in some deep self-reflection to rediscover her true self. This led to a newfound sense of purpose. And during the COVID crisis, when recruitment was really slow, she courageously started the Women's Resilience Center. This center provides support and refuge for women and children facing domestic violence. The charity has been growing rapidly and fundraising is really crucial right now. On Friday, June 16, they will be hosting a fundraising lunch for the center and they have the most exceptional range of speakers. To support this cause, please visit womensresiliencecenter.com.au. Throughout our conversation, Simone shares valuable life lessons that are truly impactful. Enjoy. It's a real pleasure to welcome Simone Allen to The Caring CEO. Welcome, Simone. Thank you, Graham. Really grateful to be here. What does a caring workplace mean to you? Wow. Well, to me, that's the only place, workplace that it should be there. Uh, uh, to me, a caring workplace is a place where people feel safe, uh, where people, I think, psychological safety and and feel that they can trust those around them is, is mm. number one. I also think a caring workplace is a workplace where the leaders um, walk alongside, are servant leaders really, that demonstrate uh, really deep, I call respectful fearlessness Mm. and deep curiosity. And when I talk respectful fearlessness, that word fearlessness, be not afraid to say what you're not afraid to think. So I I think I love authentic, really honest feedback, but Mm. done with with deep, deep respect for someone. And I often say it myself, look, I I'm saying this because I actually love you uh, and I want you to be the best human you can be. And, and and I've made these same mistakes. So it's sort of kind of walking alongside someone before, before you ever give them uh, feedback that may not be um, the way that, that they want to hear it, but, but certainly feedback that they need that will help their growth. 
I really love, um, you know, how you express that. I think it's uh, it sort of breaks down barriers, doesn't it, when you put it in that way and also that you've made the mistakes and so, you know, you've had to learn the hard way. And I think any employee <laughs> hopefully wants to learn from others who have trod their path so they don't have to make all the same mistakes again. Hopefully that's the situation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, Graham, my yoga teacher says something beautiful, and that is that our path on life is to listen to our elders, our wise elders, and the others, uh, yeah, but listen to the wise ones, tread softly on the planet, and then pass on our learnings. That's that's what life's about. Mm. And, and I think, to me, that really summarises really what life's about to me. I, I often feel so sad when I go to funerals and I see very wise people that have passed and I think, oh, I wish I could have put all their knowledge in my head, you know. <laughs> I, I, my father was an avid reader and I and he knew, the, you know, the history of every culture around the world and I used to think when, you know, when he passed, I thought, gosh, we've lost all of that, mm. you know. Um, so, trying to tap into our elders. We live in societies which are often, you know, nuclear families. We're not living with old uncles or aunts. We're often putting old people in old homes, you know. So it's just, yeah, in, in an organisation there's an opportunity to really learn from from, from people that, that have, you know, been on the planet a little bit longer. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the real tragedies is how early in terms of age people leave the workforce, particularly um, men that I know of that want to work, but they're considered too old. You know, oh, to, to... I know, and this country is ridiculous for it. You know, like you, I remember um, uh, Coca Cola. We, I was uh, as like how I first knew you. You know, whatever thirty years ago in, in headhunting, <laughs> and um, Coca Cola Australia were launching distribution channels in convenience all around. So they flew across Chuck, who was eighty three. Chuck from America, came over to teach Australians how to open convenience outlets for Coca-Cola. Could you imagine us Australians sending an 83-year-old? You know what I mean? We just don't have respect like some countries, and particularly the Asian cultures have beautiful respect for their elders. Yeah. The only group that I've heard do really good work in that area is Bunnings. They ah. have a policy. Their oldest worker is 90, and he still <laughs> love being on the floor. They have many older uh, men and yeah. work in their store. But get this, they also have a policy that when people retire and they want to become grain nomads, if they've worked in Bunnings before, they could stop along the way. So stop at a Bunnings store, you know, 500 k's away and work two months there. Get oh, go further. that's gold, <laughs> I didn't know that. Isn't that brilliant? Oh, that's probably why I get warm and fuzzy when I pop into a, a Bunnings because I feel like there's some older people around me and I, you know, sadly moved from the country to the city and, you know, I've never had, um, I get teary about it, you know, grandparents and great uncles around me and, and I and I I crave it. I crave yeah. it. So, yeah. yeah. Actually, I will say a core too. I I believe they're doing more and more with older. You know, they're really trying that and and ex military people because they're so good at systems and operations. They've got some fabulous programs for for a bit more of age diversity, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because the older people know what service is, don't they? They do. You know? they do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. 
I know that um, you grew up in the country, New South Wales. You spent time in Armidale, Walgett and Blaney. How yes. did that shape who you are now? Oh, wow. It, it, I, I think it shaped me big time. I think, you know, I, I, it's so funny with country girls and you get together. Um, I, I think that we're good problem solvers. I think it was a diverse upbringing and living in Walgett particularly um, and Blaney. Um, and there were times where I wasn't that, you know, I don't feel, I, I feel I was always that safe at times in some ways. And I think um, so it taught me how to scan a room quickly. Mm. Uh, it taught me adaptability, um, being able to try and you know, strike up a conversation with speed and ease. Mm. Uh, and country people, I don't know, I just I just love more simple things. You know, I'm not, I don't really, you know, I actually don't like the big ballroom evenings and things like that, all the fluff and bubble. I just love my my version of a great day is sitting in the sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> I share that uh, I share that passion. Yeah, my, my father had a, a, a accountancy practice in Taree, country town in New South Wales, and he oh, always, yeah. he always um, would prefer to hire people that worked on farms. Yeah, and the reason he said that was case is they just sort stuff out. Stuff happens on farms all the time. You can't cause someone. You got to sort it out. And yeah. He found them to have a real can-do attitude in sorting through issues and stuff, which I thought. Yeah, was- well, I could drive at twelve, and and I had to <laughs> at thirteen. I was up. My father moved up to Mornington Island in the Gulf and Indigenous Island, and I ended up having to kind of drag him home and drive him home one night. He wasn't in such a good state, and um, my yeah, with my two little brothers, uh, but I could drive his Ute. <laughs> I was actually I wasn't quite 13, but I, and I could ride motorbikes and yeah, heads, you know, all of that. Easy, easy. It's good fun growing up on a farm. Why did you choose to study psychology? Because I'm deeply curious about human behavior and uh I want to study criminology down the track because um, you know, I don't believe any baby's born a criminal either. And it's always usually about early trauma. Um, I discovered, I think I'm an HSP, a highly sensitive person. Uh, so I, I, you know, I think probably overthink a lot and therefore I think about my behavior a lot. I think about the impact of others' behavior on me. It sometimes drives me bonkers, that mad flatmate up in my head. But I, I really, I'm really interested in human behavior and, and learning how to be the best human that I can be. And, and I, yeah, so I, I just, Really, I, I love learning about human behavior. <laughs> I yeah. really do. I could yeah. I've never, I'm never bored learning about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I share that passion. I think one of the things about recruitment, and uh, you know, that's where we first met. Yeah, recruitment working with Morgan and Banks, which is now Hudson, um, is that I was also always fascinated about the choices people made and why they made those choices. And I yeah. Think- and I think having that curiosity is very good for that area. You started off in, I think, sales and business development roles. What yeah. attracted you to recruitment? Oh, I was uh, fortunate because I went in for a job interview with Morgan and Banks, and and the lady that was interviewing me said, "Hang on, you've got a, you've got a, you've studied psychology, human resources, and you can sell." <laughs> she's like right we need you in here so six months later 
Um, initially to Jeff Morgan's, uh, he was like, no, your site profile doesn't quite fit. Um, he said, give me one good reason why I should hire you. And I said, because my birthday is the same day as yours. <laughs> <laughs> what a great he, response. <laughs> and, he, and he laughed and said, well, you know how to do your research. So I like, <laughs> I like that about you. Um, so um, that got me in the door, luckily. But that was after about eight interviews. Um, so, yeah, I was lucky. And, and I remember when I got into recruitment, it was like, I was like in a lolly shop going, this is just exactly what I love to do. You know, it's like it's like working with two parties to get to make a life decision that's mm-hmm. that, you know, I can help be a part of. And mm-hmm. and yeah, I really enjoyed interviews and I enjoyed uh the diversity of the the people I met. Um yeah, I think I think I worked out recently with my consultancy, which is 25 years old. Um, on search, we've placed uh, 2,800 leaders in business. Amazing. And um, interviewed over 30,000. I think it's 25,000, 28,000, but it's certainly ticked over. That was about five years ago. We've in, I've interviewed a lot of people. Mm. And, uh, yeah, people have shared me stories that I, you know, it's it's interesting. There's stories but that someone once said to me, oh, I hope you'll never share this story with anyone. And I said, don't worry, my children call me Dory. <laughs> <laughs> I won't remember the story. So, <laughs> so, so you're safe with me. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything you didn't enjoy about recruitment? I think the sad thing about recruitment is the way it's been built often by people who think short-term in the industry uh, that have, and I won't say a particular uh, country, but, but, uh, but there, there are, there are recruiters that walk in and really are just there to make money. That's it. And, and I think the model of, of how it's priced is incorrect as I do believe that with lawyers as well. Mm. Um, And, and I think that it, it, it doesn't serve the outcomes, you know, for, for the future of so the industry upsets me about that and I think um you know modeling around um <clears throat> yeah hours for service is yeah. a far more sensible model yeah. um and outcomes and long-term outcomes you know if yeah. the if they're in the organization for for five years you know that well that's you know that's making impact if it's 10 that's even more impact you know so mm. I, I just think the the pricing and the modeling system doesn't support the reputation yeah. of recruitment but aside from that graham uh the human beings that work in recruitment i've just met so many awesome people you know awesome mm. awesome humans that do care about seeing successful appointments and long term longevity good for good yeah uh, yeah you made the decision to start your own search firm mondo search mm. why uh, ultimately because the fabulous business that you and I were both in, I could see was changing rapidly. Maybe the sort of recruiters that didn't align with my, you know, the style of where it was going, I could see it was um, it was up for a sale and the culture was in a different place. Yeah. Um, the leaders were, yeah, not, the, not as maybe inspirational at the time. Yeah. And, um, 
it was just that time. It was right before um, it was 1998, and it was right before the Olympics. Yeah. What an incredibly fun period in Sydney it was. Yeah, yeah. You no, know? yeah. it was just optimistic yeah. about about you know Sydney and the Olympics, and you know everyone was starting their own business, and <laughs> it, it was just a, quite an exciting period. It, in some ways, a little bit like that after COVID. You know, like this mm. a little bit of you know green shoots. euphoria, euphoria. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. yeah. I remember I was still at Morgan and Banks when it was announced, and I remember going into Circular Key with about 200,000 other people, and they had, you know, a big screen up here, and that Antonio Samaran said, and the winner is Sydney. <laughs> it went crazy. It was an extraordinary time. It really was. It was, uh, as you say, um, you real, real euphoric. Yeah. You've... Um, recruited many, many leaders, um, both yourself and the people that work for your organisation. And I saw that, uh, you know, you were nominated as one of the top 40 search firms worldwide, which is a massive achievement. What do you think was the reason behind that? So, yeah, we're a part of the IMSA group. They're a top-rated search group now. Um Alliance, so we've got partners all over the world, which is great. The real truth, I think, uh, was a meeting of the minds with values with um, uh, the president of IMSA, to be completely frank, because there's plenty of search firms in Australia. And um, I think they like the fact, the other things that I was doing and, yeah, my interest in mental health and our interest in mental health with our placements of people. We really, really care about the work that we do, and we've we've moved more into appointments in the not for profit space and um, and other areas. But uh, we work closely with people, uh, really closely, mm. you know, so that there's um, a very good decision made. So by the time it gets to a decision for hiring, uh, you know, like I say. Look for the dirt and all the references. Like, come on, there's got to be weaknesses. What are the weaknesses? We've all got them. So let's get the weaknesses up front on the front mm. of the page. Let's go mm. through them. Mm. Um, let's do some rigorous testing. Strengths finders I love. Let's look at their commercial capabilities. Mm. Um, yeah, let's look at them holistically as a human. Find out about them and their backgrounds. Talk. I don't want to do two references. I like to do four, five, six, seven references, you know. Mm. Uh, I, I get surprised when people don't have previous bosses to talk to. It's like, to worry. <laughs> to worry. Like, really? Oh, no, well, that person, yeah, that's 10 years ago. Oh, 10 years ago is fine. I'll call them. Where are they? Dubai? That's fine. We've got WhatsApp, haven't we? Those, you don't have to burn your bridges. You, you don't. You don't mm-hmm. have to burn your bridges. You, it's respectful communication and bosses get a bit upset when you leave. But if you, you know, later in life, stay in touch with them. They're worth it, aren't they? Definitely. Yeah. So you've been involved for quite a while now in recruitment. Has it changed in terms of what type of leader people are looking for now compared to when you started your search firm? Maybe as I've got older, I've got less ageist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Me too. (laughs) um, Look, the number one, in fact, I was last a couple of nights ago at a, a 
a big mentoring networking event and um it was it was evident that you know the number one trait that that organizations are looking for is that um resilience and agility to adapt to change and um and show that capacity for change mm. um and and openness to learning mm. uh and and they're now calling the human skills the power skills i love that I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I really saw that and thought, that is perfect because that's what it's become. It's become that, you know. Being- yeah, the power skills. So, um, yeah, you see it in the younger generation coming through that, you know, you just know the ones that are, are shining. And I'm really excited by this generation at the moment that are coming through post um, the, 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 the COVID period, the pandemic. Um, they've had a lot on their plates, really. Um, but they're 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 really quite a, a really resilient, curious group and hardworking. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about and hardworking, but but you know that that they get tasks done. They're very task focused. Yeah. Um, and they're so good at curating information. And. Yeah, I'm super excited about this generation that is flowing through at the moment. You know, we all complained about Gen Y, and I think I won't say we don't know why. There was <laughs> it was a funny it was a funny period for that crowd, but mm. that crowd didn't see a lot of tough stuff. Mm. They didn't. They kind no. of. And then this new generation have been through a lot, haven't they? Yeah, it's true. And and I think they're. Yeah, I think they're a really breath of fresh, the breath of fresh air. Speaking yeah. as a Gen X, I, I think, yeah. And uh, you mentioned mentoring before, and I know you started a division called Mondo Mentoring. Yeah. Why did you choose to launch that? Big one was um, I was asked to hire a, um, a chair of a big not for profit, and I interviewed all these really amazing human beings and high-profile people and realised that every single one of them had one thing in in common and that was they all said they had good mentors. Mm. And I was like, gee, there's a lot in mentoring, isn't there? Mm. And then when I reflected on my own life, Graham, I was like, well, that's really my life. I didn't have, you know, my my father disappeared when I was eight Mm. um, and my mum and, and, you know, he, he was... He was challenged by addictions and a lot of things in his life. And amazing man, philosopher and incredible human being. But 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 I didn't have a, a role model really as a father. In and and yeah, my mum was a single mum, and um, you know she worked, had to work full time at a law firm. She she yeah, and then there was no family because we'd moved to the city. So I didn't have a lot of. Uh, mentors, role models at that point. And then I suddenly realised I've got to find mentors because yeah. because they're not around me. Mm. And um, and I did. I looked for them all the time. Um, it started with babysitters who taught me how to dance to the Beatles and then I learned how to dance. I love dancing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, and they, I just forever would try to cling to people. I'm sure I came and cling, tried to cling to you a few times. Graham, <laughs> give me some advice on this. You know, and it, it, I just constantly, uh, that's what I've done. And and I'm in touch with all my old bosses, ironically. Mm. You know, they, they've all had an important part to, to help me grow. 
Uh, and I've got mentors all around me, um, spiritual mentors, uh, health fitness mentors and um, business mentors. Um, yeah, so parenting mentors. So, yeah, so it's they're all really, really important. So because of that, and I see it in organisations, Graham, and you would too, that organisations where there's intergenerational sharing, mm. it's more caring, isn't it? It's, it is. It is. It, it's so much more caring. And I'm a big believer that key to a caring organisation is one where mentoring is a big part of the service that's there for an organisation. Yeah. And so, it makes it so much more attractive to new recruits, doesn't it, to know that they're going to learn, they're going to... Oh. Be encouraged. They know they're going to grow. It just does cre- create a pretty amazing uh, culture. Oh, it helps diversity. Uh, it breaks down barriers of cultures. Um, when one person starts mentoring another, they start to see who they are. Into you, see me. Intimacy, you know, and uh, and little people maybe that are more or quiet, introverted they get seen mm. and uh, there's opportunities for the introverts to be to heard and listened to and often put into more leadership roles. And, yeah, so there's it's there's such a mentoring it should be. If you're not doing mentoring in an organisation, you know, you're really missing out on building yeah. huge potential of your people. Yeah. Thanks for being part of the Care First movement. You may be interested in some free resources that we've prepared at wecare365.com.au. The first resource is a Building a Mentally Healthy Culture Checklist, which contains all the elements that you'll need to prepare and launch a mentally healthy workplace program and how to build momentum for up to a year after that launch. The second resource is how to support a teammate or a loved one in distress poster. This provides guidance about how to identify someone who's struggling, how to have the are you okay conversation with empathy, and how to guide them to the help they need. These resources can be found at wecare365.com.au. So you've had uh, at this stage, you know, really great success. You started your own firm and that's gone really well um, and you're making a great contribution. But you shared with me that when you were 43, you really burnt out um, mm. and just felt overwhelmed. What do you think contributed to that? And um, how did you recover from that? Graham, um, I put an F in the middle of 43, so I won't say that word on here, but it was, and I interestingly heard Sarah Wilson say that yeah, most people, most women hit a real moment in their early 40s. Mm. Um, and I did big time. And I think I do things like that. I don't do things little, little, little. I, you know, I, 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 I really felt like I wasn't functioning. And it wasn't, um, I walked with my neighbor in the mornings and just said, I'm not me. I'm just not me. Um, I don't know who I am. And I'm not functioning. I can't make decisions. Uh, at that time, I had 14 staff. Um, yeah, and it was, I call it overwhelm. I didn't actually feel depressed. It sounds weird. I had, I even had a very important CEO role, a job to do. And I was like, oh, I'm still managing it, but I wasn't. And really, and, um, what I, what I knew was I needed help. 
And um, and I got help. I got really good help. And uh, I took myself away for three weeks. And the that experience turned changed my world. It was like I I really discovered who I was and um and how important really good recovery services are. Mm. Yeah. And um what I realized was I I'd experienced stuff as a little kid that wasn't okay. Mm. And you certainly understand are you okay? It wasn't okay. And and I um it was absolutely wrong what happened and I kind of covered it up and kept going on (laughs) and you know my version of trying to deal with the wound the the trauma wound was to just keep trying to work and perform and you know hard work is everything as my mother would say Mm. so and it just didn't work at 43 it was like I've got to deal with this stuff Mm. and I think yeah Trauma is not something you can, you know, just you have to you have to deal with trauma. You can't just sugarcoat it and keep going on. And I don't think just, well, I think there's a role for therapists, but deep recovery to me is when you're sharing with other lived experience, people that have experienced trauma as well together is very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, it was for me, it changed my world. I'm now an act. I'm very, very involved um, on the Care and Consumer Committee of South Pacific Private Hospital, and have been for eight years. And I believe if you do not repair, you will repeat. And when I talk those words, it may not be you repeat the same trauma, but you'll create other trauma because yeah. you can't. You have to deal with it. It's like a, you know, a, a boil. You've got to lance it, unfortunately, and clean it out. And deal with it, mm. uh, and then the body will heal. Mm. Body will heal, but otherwise the the body will hold it, and um, and then you've got to constantly still. It doesn't just suddenly all disappear either. Things like, you know, yoga and all of that is a daily practice in my life. Yeah, it's connecting with my body. You mentioned also that um, it was a relatively quick period of time that you went from not knowing who you were to knowing who you are and knowing your authentic self. What were the things that happened that helped you with that transition? Um, I did a, I did a, um, it's like unpeeling the onion. Um, I did a, a session that was called a changes program. It was full on, I tell you, padded walls stuff. Like <laughs> <laughs> it really was. Uh, and. Yeah, stuff you'd hear, and it was just like, oh my gosh, um, that was a very, very, oh, was cathartic, transformational for me. It was um, symbolic and a, a good process of letting go. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was to me something amazing. It, it was, and then another thing that I did with a group of uh, thirty-seven individuals with lived experience, and it was really powerful. Was called an I am session. I was put in the middle of the room after being with these these people for three weeks and they were like all sorts of people with different journeys. You know, there were CEOs who'd run out agencies. There was um, all sorts, you know, famous sports people to all sorts of people, Mm -hmm. all people with very different life, with very different journeys. Mm -hmm. 
one thing in common that we'd all experience terrible trauma. And the I am session, they all had to say one thing about you. And they'd all been there. And you had to just say, I am. Mm. I can't tell you how amazing that was. Mm. And I do that now. I did that for my father just before he passed. I got a group of us together and it was almost like having his wake before he passed. Mm. Um, it's very, very powerful to, mm. to have people who know you deeply um, and it's like 1% deeply, not, you know, well, they know me a little bit, they really know you. Yeah. yeah. It. So they were probably the two things uh, alongside really incredible lived experience mentors for me mm. that, have, that have got behind me and held my back and walked alongside me um, that are just so important in my who I am today. Yeah. So I, yeah, I did. I say I found myself. I did. I found myself. Mm-hmm. I really discovered some who, who I really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taking up all the layers. Yeah. Mm. And like a lot of other people who have emerged from that, there's often a real need to contribute and to share what you've learned um, along the way. And you certainly do have a, a <laughs> a significant contribution right from being a surf life saving volunteer to probably the thing that is your real focus now which is the women's resilience center mm. uh, how did that happen how did you come to decide you wanted to start that how did you gather the energy to <laughs> do such, something about it and how did you make real progress oh graham um so about um Two years out of that experience I just shared of, of, of having getting help myself, I was like, there's not enough help after. <laughs> like, where do people go? Like, and I uh, and I was like, there's not enough, there's not enough places where people can go and work on themselves, you know, like there's 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 you know, gyms and there's you know, spas and you know, there there are groups and things, but but like there's not and and so I started researching it and discovered in America they have what you call clubhouses where people can go and and join programs and do meditation and and get a job and and it's like god there's such a need for that and obviously being a recruiter like wow imagine if because a lot of people that I knew that step out of South Pacific Hospital and private and rehab and you know, crisis care centres, they don't know, they don't even have a job. You know, I was lucky enough I could go back and still had a team and I was lucky, you know, I, I had my family still. They still, they were still there, everything, you know, whereas, you know, a lot of people have nothing, nothing. And so I was like, wow, we need a centres of love, love and support and practical help and getting jobs and programs to help people that are going to help them be practical in life. So I, I watched in 2018 A Star Is Born, that film, and mm. felt very, I couldn't get out of my chair. I was like, you know, that fellow went to rehab and what did you do after that? It wasn't, you know, it was a, a terrible story. Mm. I was like, no. So when when the pandemic hit and I'd been writing to the South Pacific Private Hospital. I've been writing saying there needs to be rehab, post-rehab centres, so I called it. And um, I rang my mentor in business and said, that's it, <laughs> the pandemic, my search business is in a COVID coma. 
I need to do this. And so I just worked, like I, I really envy those who did jigsaws and because I worked 12 hours a day on Zooms and um, getting a charity registered and getting uh, forming a board and getting the whole thing off the ground and I didn't stop doing, I was doing online Zooms for charity raising and we raised $340,000 through COVID because I was like, no, no, we can still charity raise, we'll just have to do it online and um, but it was, I was like, this is my, this is our time to get this off the ground. And it really was evident to me with what was going on with domestic violence. One woman dies um, a, between every seven and eight days is various statistics. But in Australia for that, um, you know, crisis care, uh, women can go there and it's such an incredible service. It's like an emergency department service, but it's they can only go there for 12 weeks. So then what happens? You know, where's the support? You know, where's the support of rehab? So yeah, so it was, it just all came together. And it's it's way bigger than me. There's just so many people who are involved. And this it's it's really going, it's really kicking along. It's really started to happen. We've opened our first center. And um, we'd love to replicate the model, prove it and start replicating and definitely build one in Walgett <laughs> in the country, yeah. And, uh, you know, I gather that this was also a personal experience with you as well, having ex- you, you experienced domestic violence growing up? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw it in a latter part, you know, I saw it in a part of my life and I observed it and uh, something that I read it was in my own family. And then I've, I've have got other family members. It's, yeah, it's been all around me. And I I realised that, you know, so often people don't go and get help. Mm. They they It's it's swept under the carpet. Mm. And um, the impact that it has is goes on to generations. And my brothers, it, they didn't go and do the things I did. Mm. One's recently passed. His life was... A tragic life mm. and and the other yeah the, they've not led the lives possibly they could have led because mm. of what happened uh, uh breaks my heart i'm doing this for my brothers and um we work very very closely with men's groups and um yeah very very close to supporting men because i'm doing this for my brothers mm. Mm. And what have you discovered um, on this journey from when it first started at the start of COVID? You obviously had a good understanding or a basic understanding. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Well, I was fortunate because I did do a lot of research before I started, so I didn't just jump in and start forming a board. I I tapped into lots of brights like yourself, Graham. Um, I called um, I called all the shelters. I called a lot of the universities and the research. We, we engaged UTS to do a full uh, re, uh, scoping review on what services were out there. Um, I got lots of mentors to you know so I so we we did we did a lot of research before we stepped forward. Um, and I don't think, like government won't back startup because they won't. So, yeah. so you know, as much as we we're not getting, and we we were fortunate to get an infrastructure grant, which has been helpful, a small one of seventy five thousand, but we're still very grateful for that, and a small five thousand dollar volunteer grant. 
um, for volunteers, but um, the government doesn't give anything, you know, generous to run a centre or anything until you've really ticked some goals. Yeah. Uh, so what would I do differently? i tell you what I definitely do differently. Um, <clears throat> forming boards is interesting for not-for-profits because mm. you've got to um, make sure you get people with the right governance backgrounds uh, X and you know, skill uh, a skills matrix that's helpful. Mm. Uh, but I would certainly say after reading the book of the board and being only in year three, uh, I would definitely focus on uh, what do they say with a not-for-profit board? You've got to either give, get, or go. Um, <laughs> know how to give money or know how to get money. <laughs> um, it's I know it's really crude to say that, but definitely uh, connectors to help help with funding is just it's it's just so important for those uh, for the early days yeah and have you had any interest from corporate australia or their foundations oh graham we've been fortunate the asx chose us as a charity of choice so asx charities foundation and that's been extraordinary and they see us as a potential for you know replicating service uh, you know a service that's replicable i should say um and so that's been really helpful. Uh, and so slowly, slowly, um, we're, we've got small amounts of corporate support. Lend-Lease uh, sort of supported us a little bit. And uh, and uh, Saatchi, MC Saatchi, the ad agency group are incredible. They've backed us with um, a lot of really supportive material. Um, Gilbert and Tobin at a legal level, which is is fabulous. Um, and HW accountants have done all work for us. So there's, we've been getting accountancy work. And so we've got a lot of goods in kind, that's for sure. That's been very, very helpful. And we're, we're going to get this uh, episode published in lead up to a big um, fundraising lunch having coming up. And that's what date is that on? 16th of June. 16th yeah. of June, and just to show what a networker that uh, Sim is, they've got an amazing group there. They've got Erin Molan, the TV presenter, Christine Holgate, the yeah. CEO of Team Global Express, formerly the CEO of Australia Post, uh, Karen Holgate, the New South Wales Police Commissioner. and uh, Karen Webb, I think it is. Oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, Karen Webb. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Karen, sorry. Police Commissioner, yeah. <laughs> Police Commissioner and also a TEDx speaker, Stephanie Rodriguez. How did you get that group? That's a pretty impressive lineup. I know it's the Ferrari panel. It is. Uh, we need, is. Uh, and look, there's diversity also that will be available there in the event. We've got some we can't share because we're allowed to put them on social media. Uh, and it is being convened uh, by a male, uh, which is who's got a lot of lived experience. Um, uh, very grateful. I just wrote to them and said, "This is what we're doing," and they were like, "We're we're next to you, sister." <laughs> we were, and also, but really, I think the they are all people with examples of, uh, particularly also worked very closely around corporate world and. Yeah. know that there's significant changes need to take place. Um, there are practical things that corporates yeah. can do yeah. uh, to really help reduce the impact of trauma in the workplace. Yeah. And, and you're, you're, you've started it, Graham. Are you okay? <laughs> and, and just the importance that this is 
you know, recognizing, first of all, when people are not okay. Mm. Um, so yeah. so you, you're a champion of, of everything that the, the panel uh, are keen to talk about as well. That's very kind of you, but they obviously, it obviously resonated with them. And I can understand, uh, you know, Karen, the New South Wales Police Commissioner, she'd be very experienced with that. I, I actually once spoke at a conference that had all the police that, that handled the domestic violence um, mm. side of things. And that was, um, you know, quite an experience just hearing some of the things they sadly experienced in that sort of situation. But obviously these others really resonated with what you were trying to do to share about, um, you know, experiencing trauma in their personal life or also their home life, personal work life, sorry. Yeah, we've got Ainsley uh, Van Onselen also turning up who's been a commissioner for uh, legal aid. So she's coming right. with a, a legal hat on yeah. of what you can do to make change. But, um, yeah, they all resonate with um, the trauma impacts in the workplace and if people can yeah, be in a, in a, in a caring organisation, um, I say is love-centred and, and, you know, I know a lot of people don't think that's a good word, but to me love is um, union um, of perceived differences right union of perceived differences that's love Mm. when you can be there with very different people and all be in union yeah you know and so that's imagine that imagine more organizations that was love-centered yeah Um, yeah and and i think that that all of these women they didn't there was no they were in the second i wrote to them they were like i'm there uh, that topic is relevant. Yeah, like, yeah. and we had that as well with um, the start of Are You OK? Gavin Larkin came up with a brilliant tagline that a conversation could change a life. And we could all relate to that, you know, in 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 some way. But we got people like uh, uh, Hugh Jackman doing you know, <laughs> a free plug, you know, for yeah. OK in the first and second year. And, Simon Baker and um, yeah, all these extraordinary people because they related to the mission and and um, of what was involved, and so I think that's a really secret source for successful charities or people that want to be in a social enterprise is having that that noble mission. Yeah, well, there's yeah, there seems to be some some great support. We would love anyone to be there on the 16th of June. Just go to the Women's Resilience Centre and the ticket to buy it is there. You can jump in. We would love you there. There's, It's going to be, um, you're going to be there on, on my table and it's going, yeah, Graham, we would love you all there. If you care about changing uh, the community and, and corporations particularly becoming more caring focused, um, and uh, please come and hear this panel because it is, yeah, it's a Ferrari panel and uh, it, it will be a lot of fun too. There'll be a lot of incredible humans there. Yeah, so people can find those tickets at womensresiliencecentre.com.au yeah. and uh, i just be wonderful catching up. Uh, we haven't really talked about that. We did actually work together for quite a while and, um, and I've always had a high degree of um, respect uh, for you and what you've done. And and I think these last um, 
you know, five years have been extraordinary uh, with all the worries, financial worries of downturn that happened in COVID. There wasn't much recruiting going on, was there? there was no. <laughs> no, no, so, uh, but, um, no. But I'd just like to, I guess, finish with a question that I always ask at the end. Yeah. You know, when you think of your 18-year-old self, knowing what you know now and everything you've experienced, including you know, not feeling you knew yourself to now feeling that you do know yourself. What advice would you give to that 18-year-old self? Well, it's definitely don't take things personally. Like, you know, go high, don't go low. Because it's just, yeah, it's, I think that's that's the big one. Um, Because I think you can overthink situations and you know I I'm very aware with myself if I'm thinking 18 I'm thinking they're doing social media um you know they're they're looking around to see what others think of them don't worry what others think about you because just hang on to you and dig deep to find your little self with speed you know because that little self loves you and and you you're we're all so lucky how many one in 20,000 chances of being born we are or something with all those little eggs and one, <laughs> one egg and thousands of sperm. So, you know, it's like it's freaking awesome that we're, on the, we're <laughs> that we're here, right? So, so like just don't worry about the naysayers because, you know, they're just, just, oh, and, and I watched a fabulous Michelle Obama interview recently on Netflix with um, with uh, Oprah Winfrey and, you know, just let them go, let them go because <laughs> they're, they're not going to serve you and they're just going to take space you don't need and, yeah, be careful who you let near your mind, right? Yeah, yeah, and I love that advice from Brene Brown that, um, yeah. you know, don't take advice for anyone who hasn't been in the arena yeah, um, I think it is relevant. It's so easy to be a naysay, but when you know people that have been there tried that and have learned from things, that's when they've earned the right to be listened to. Yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely spot on. You know, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. I've just recently to listen to uh, you know a tape on narcissism, and um, that you know Brené talks about that that the deepest cause of any narcissistic behavior is self-hatred interesting and you know so if you you look at someone that acts and is being in your mind a little bit not you know certainly not caring the opposite of a caring Mm. ceo particularly in leadership uh or in a family just think well you know have compassion for them because if self-hatred is there the really deep thing underneath it all yeah, it's yeah. So look deeply with compassion at yourself because you're beautiful and special. Great advice. Thanks for being part of the caring CEO, Sim. Thanks. I appreciate it so much, Graham. Thanks for joining us today. And we hope you've learned some practical tips that you can try with your team. If you've enjoyed this interview today, please rate us on your favorite podcast platform. We also welcome any comments. If you're interested in seeing more details about our simple, scalable WeCare365 mental health training programs, please visit us at wecare365.com.au. We strive to make these programs easily accessible, practical, and ongoing. 
If you've been impressed by a caring CEO you would like to see interviewed, please email us at support at wecare365.com.au. Thanks once again for joining us.